Hey, horror fans, this is Vincent DeSantis. Hey, this is Tom Matthews. The director and writer of Never Hike Alone. And Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th, Part 6, Never Hike Alone. You are listening to the Don't Go Out There podcast. And you're listening to Don't Go Out There podcast. Take care. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Happy Friday the 13th, Don't Go Out There friends, uh, we're partnering up with the Roll Up Network. Uh, you know, every Friday the 13th or Halloween or the horror holidays, we always like to do some bonus content for you guys. Uh, we're super excited about the film reviews we got tonight. Uh, former guest of the show, Vincent DeSanti. You know, he's a writer and director of two very, very popular fan films, and they're both free on YouTube, so I highly recommend you go check them out. We're all going to be reviewing Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow tonight. What can we say? Uh, I think these movies, I'll start off with general thoughts. I think especially considering the budget, uh, I think these movies are very, very good, honestly. Uh, Vinny, Outkick, the his funding. I mean, he did he did a great job. And Hot Take, I know for this show, we've had some absolute horror legends on for interviews, but Vinny was probably my favorite interview we've had so far. Uh, just listening to him speak and his knowledge and his thought process, I think Vinny is incredible. Uh, Blumhouse, New Line, whoever's listening, whenever you do, uh, give Vinny five to ten million dollars and let him make a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I think he'll do a great job, and I'm really looking forward to reviewing these movies. A uh, few minor nitpicks with them that you know is nothing major, but I know all of us would agree. And I'm not going to steal anyone's thunder, but if these were full movies, these would be one of the best ones in the franchise. Honestly, uh, Brian, you want to kick us off or some more general thoughts? Yeah, you brought up the interview with Vincent Dasani. Look, I was on on that interview. You know, we we discussed these films. And listen, if you haven't heard that interview, go listen to it now before you finish this episode. It's not long, but to say I was impressed, it was an understatement. You know, I've said it off air, but not not on air, actually. But you can tell how absolutely brilliant he is. And just the, the thought he put into the choices he made in these movies was unbelievable. He's a hundred percent someone I would agree with that I would want helming a big studio production of, of Friday here. Uh, now, as far as these go, I love both of these, but the ghost cut that combines the two, um, including this phenomenal intro voiceover by Tom Matthews, um, and, and it has a lot of additional footage, is probably my third or fourth favorite in the franchise. You know, and and I do, I do, I do put it in the. Uh, in the franchise slot because it's, it's, it's better than, you know, most of them, especially if I got it at third or fourth. Now the end of alone to me is the weakest part, but, but snow is absolutely amazing to me. Um, this is everything I've ever wanted in a Friday film. I've said many times that I wanted to see a shaky cam or like a found footage type Friday film. And this is like a mixture of both. And that just, that blew me away. I was very, very surprised at how good that worked together. Um, Dasani said he wanted to uh, to make Jason scary again, and honestly, I can't even do him justice. Just go listen to that interview. You know, he taught me a long time Jason and Friday Thirteenth fan a lot. Uh, so to say these things have been a success for Womp Stomp films is a complete understatement. 
but uh, but we can get into that during fun facts. I, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both of these. I look, man. I'm not. I'm not just like some avid fan of the Friday the 13th franchise. I mean, I like those films for what they are. And there's the ones I hold on high, like 09 and 6 and, you know, I, I, I 4. And I have Eight. a soft spot. No, absolutely not. Wow. And I have a soft spot for 2 <laughs> just because I'm hashtag team sack. And, I, and I'm, not a, I'm not opposed to a guilty pleasure watch of X. However, these two movies – are better than half of this franchise. And I think that's a testament to, you know, Vincent DeSanti. Like, I, I, look, I love the directing on this, on both of these movies. I think this, the music is used so well. This music, look, surprise, Halloween guy here. But this music in Alone is almost used like Halloween uses its score in 78. Like, it, it is kind of a character in and of itself. Not necessarily the score, but the music itself. Just all the different sounds and stuff. I love the sounds in Alone, and I love the visuals of both of these films. Having a Friday the 13th film in the snow is badass. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's a, you know, the blood against the white snow is a visual that I'm a really, really big fan of. Um, it probably took too long to get that visual. So, I look, I agree with Nico off the top. I would love to see our guy get actual studio budget, write a script, flesh it out, and do a, a full-length feature film of Friday the 13th. But as far as I'm concerned, these two films are in the franchise. Now, we didn't put them in our rankings because it, it would have messed up our, our 31 on 31 numbers. <laughs> but, uh, but as far as just the franchise itself, I would have these two movies above a majority of the... Look, and I actually think for what... You know, for what they're for what's being used, I think the acting is good. You know, mm-hmm. and you, there's a lot of Friday movies, a lot of nightmare movies, a lot of Halloween yeah. movies where the acting is complete dog shit. And, I, and that's just I don't think that's the case here. I think it's there's good acting in both. And shout out to our man Tom Matthews with a cameo in the end of Alone. And then to me, he's kind of the standout in the snow. And so I I'm a I'm a big fan of that appearance as well. So again, I'm looking forward to talking about it. I and you know, for me personally, I like the runtime of both of these. This, uh, this, uh, it made me the movie watcher pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you know, Nico asked Vincent what he would do if he had a big budget, um, and he answered that question in that interview uh, very thoroughly. So he has a plan, right? If if they'll just you know get the shit together. And I, and I'm also a fan of the shaky cam, like you know, found footage style when it comes to slasher villains. And so this was really, really good. I'm glad we got to see it. Sorry, Dustin, go ahead. You're good. Yeah, I had uh, I'd never watched these. Um, I remember when we had him on the show, um, I was unfamiliar with the movies at all. But then I looked into them. I just never got around to watching them. And then we were kicking around the idea, hey, you know, Friday the 13th is coming up. What should we do? And I mentioned, hey, why don't we do the snow, you know, the hike movies? Because they give, gave me a reason to watch them. Because otherwise, I don't know when I would have got around to it. It was on my to-do list, but... I'm a busy guy, but um, I'm really glad that I made time for it because, like you guys have said, I the first one especially, um, Never Hike Alone, I definitely would have it ha- higher than half. I'd probably have it no lower than fourth if I were to rank them. I'd have to re-look at my rankings of the franchise. I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, 
and then when you factor in the budget, I think that raises the quality of it. So that might actually make it the best dollar for dollar movie in the franchise, which is incredible. Um, I love the, the little nods to the franchise, to the history. Um, I love the cameos we got. And like you guys said, I mean, for what it was, the acting was right on par with the franchise. So acting was good. Um, dialogue was good. Dialogue was funny at the very end. I laughed, uh, in the, in the ambulance with Axel. I love how Axel is a pervert again. Um, (laughs) so yeah, just overall, I really, I enjoyed the first one, I think more than the second one, but as a whole, I enjoyed them both a hell of a lot. And I definitely need to go watch the ghost cut so I can see it pieced together with that additional footage. The found footage, I agree with you 100%. I've thought that too. Um, remember when we did Cloverfield, I said that my I, I like found footage when it has a reason to be found footage. And yeah. so on this one, like he had no reason to keep carrying that camera. Uh, uh, Friday the 13th, it would make sense. Like a hiker who's stumbled upon Crystal Lake would want to document it. So like that's the scenario. That's a perfect example of a scenario that would make sense. And the way that they went back and forth beautifully done uh the the score was awesome and yeah I, I like you said nico some minor nitpicks maybe but overall for what it was fantastic and i'm, I'm glad we're getting around to it all righty any more opening thoughts we jumping in scene by scene i think so all right let's do it uh we're doing never hike alone first uh obviously <laughs> for all the <laughs> listeners uh, the film starts with title card, and na- now we get an aerial shot of someone driving through the countryside. Now we get some opening credits and more beautiful countryside shots. We see Kyle drive off into the woods going like off-roading. Kyle checks his GoPro out, and he's checking out Wessex County Forest. He's making a 45-mile loop around the lake. This is an intense hike. No noobs, he says. He checks out and starts his hike. He's got seven hours to make an eight-hour trip before sunset, and he takes off to an intense rock and roll score. Uh, I wrote, my man is running and doing some parkour, it looks like. He stops and soaks in the view. He sets up his tent and shows off his three-piece shovel for his audience. He has to go over his lines again, and my man struggles with that. Now we hear coyotes in the distance. He turns the lights off and breaks down what he hears to the camera. We hear a sudden thud, and the coyotes quiet down. He goes to sleep. Next morning, he wakes up and brushes his teeth and back to vlogging. He says he found a cool trail mark he's going to check out. He packs up his tent and heads into the woods. Ominous score starts, and he finds a no trespassing sign and barbed wire. We get a shot of someone watching him, and we see Jason in the distance. He tells his audience he's going to cut through, and Jason appears behind him, then disappears. Kyle seems nervous now. He steps over the barbed wire and heads into the trail. Jason appears again by the sign. More shots of Kyle being watched in the woods, and Kyle climbs up a fallen tree and onto like this big boulder. He sees the lake in the distance. He tells his audience he made it and has to follow a trail back. Time to find somewhere to settle down for the night. Kyle chops up, Kyle chops up some fire some firewood now and stops when he sees a sign on the ground: Camp Crystal Lake. He tells his audience they won't believe this. All right, Brian, that's the first two scenes they got. You want to kick us off? Yeah. First off. Um, just a little random graphic designer fun fact. The Never Hike Alone title is using a font called Another Danger. So just thought I'd throw that in there. 
<laughs> um, beautiful overhead drone shots here um, as the credits roll. I love how it makes the transition. I kind of already talked about and cuts back and forth from that standard single camera to the found footage type. I think that's just a, it's a perfect mixture of the way that they use it here. And I love the found footage style, but like I said, I never knew how much I would love a mixture of the two. And I think it's used brilliantly. Um, Mike kind of touched on it earlier. It's just great soundtrack as well here. It's used as a, as a narrative as well as some dialogue, which I'm sure just isn't, easy with a one person cast you know at the moment um and i know it's a classic but i don't think i would have liked to have seen jason as much as i did right here um you know he's referred to as ghost jason by the way that name apparently was kind of picked up you know steam from the message boards and stuff but i don't know i thought it was a little much i mean again like listen to the interview and I know what he was going for, but I think I would have rather just seen a shoulder or something instead of like full on almost Jason basically that we got. I figured, I thought it was just a little, this is going to sound, sound weird, but I thought it was like a little too supernatural to me at this point. Like it was almost like, you know, I, and like I said, I get what he was going for. Go listen to the interview, but I, I, I like the more grounded um, part here. And I think that like, even, even the way they use zombie Jason in the, uh, you know, in, in six through, you know, eight, and nine, the way that they use him isn't even as supernatural feeling as, as kind of as this, he's right there. So it's not like he could have just walked away. It was like literally like, boom, like supernatural transportation on, you know, transport type of thing. So um, anyway, that's, that's kind of, that's just a little few little nitpicks there. Oh uh, yeah. Look, I, I love all these overhead views. Um, I know we kind of complained about them when, when it came to the shining, but, uh, these didn't last, you know, nine years. So <laughs> I, uh, but I actually like the Cooper ones too. But anyway, I love these overhead views. I think they're beautiful. Um, so it kind of sets the scene. And again, you mentioned it, man, having basically a one, one person cast outside of, outside of Jason Voorhees, who, you know, we don't get in the movie, in the movie until a little bit later. And so I sometimes like those kind of movies a lot. Like I'm a big fan of Castaway when it's mm-hmm. Tom Hanks at a volleyball. I'm a big fan of I am legend when it's Will Smith and base and a dog. Like I'm a, I'm a fan of someone that can pull that off. And I think the actor who plays Kyle does a pretty good job. I mean, I believe his character. Uh, I also love the going back and forth between the GoPro or whatever they were going for there the GoPro and the actual, you know, single cam. I think the back and forth switch is really, really good. It's believable. Um, I like a lot of that. And again, this guy screams, I hike in the mountains. So like <laughs> I, I a very this is a very believable hiking vlogger. And so that makes me invest in the character. And I think, you know, for what he was given and and I, I'm sure his lack of some experience in acting like for all of that being said, I think he does a great job here and I'm, I'm invested in this character. Um, you know, one Mike, more you, Mike, real quick, you brought up, you know, I am legend and, and castaway and, and those type of movies. And obviously you have to be a heavy hitter to carry a movie like that by yourself. And I just think that is, I don't think I wrote it down anywhere, but I just thought it was brilliant writing to like, okay, you need some dialogue here or else you're just showing this guy going through the woods and doing right, different shit. Right, so I course. thought making him a blogger and then making him talk to you, the audience, yeah. but basically his YouTube channel, 
like gives you that dialogue, gives you that exposition. And I thought that was brilliant writing. I agree. And it's a very modern way of doing this right. found footage thing because YouTube is, heck, this video that we're currently recording is going on YouTube. Like, so we're talking to you out there. And, and Mike that, had to keep his shirt on. We're actually filming video this time. Look, I'm wearing clothes. You guys should be lucky, okay? Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, and I, I like that modern take. I think it's very different. It's unique. It's fresh. Now, you know, found footage is not unique and fresh. Doing it, a live stream thing. Hey, that goes all the way back to Halloween Resurrection and stuff. Like, there's nothing fresh about that. But having it be, this is my, hello, welcome to my channel. Like, that kind of stuff is very very modern and i think that was a good telling of it um i actually slightly disagree with you brian i like that shot of jason and i understand why you don't and i i completely get that it, you know sometimes when i see michael myers in too much light it pisses me off you know but i i really like that shot i, I think it's done really well uh the music is perfect right there and I, i'm a big fan of it i i was like ah that's a cool shot the first time i ever saw this um one last thing <laughs> it's so funny that sign looks like it's buried in about 30 feet of leaves. And then all of a sudden it's clearly personal <laughs> yeah. lake. I was like, well, that was quick. My name is Kyle. He, he's moving, man. He's moving. But no, I, I love the way he comes upon that sign. Is it a little far-fetched? Yeah, but, but I'm willing to forgive it. So I really like that scene as well. Yeah. So I like the, I really love the aerial shots we get on the intro when uh, the car is driving in. Um, it's just really high quality work for, for a fan film. So I thought that was really well done. And I love the score here in the opening scene because, you know, even though it's a, we know it's a Friday the 13th fan film, the scene where, you know, the aerial shots and then him hiking could be very misleading as to when is the action going to pit. Like they let you know right off with the music that, okay, this is going to be some scary shit. Some horror movies fail to do that. Sometimes I, th I think that that was very well done. Um, I love, okay, so I love seeing Jason in the background, but I'm kind of in the middle of you two. I love seeing him in the background, but I wish it was more out of focus so we couldn't distinctly make out that it was Jason, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, because we could clearly see who it was. So maybe show him from like mid chest down. Or if you're going to show the whole body, just a silhouette to where it's so far away and so out of focus, we can't really tell what it is. But I'll tell you what I hate in that scene is the suit, like you said, how he's damn near teleporting. He's right beside him, and then he turns around and he's gone. And another reason I hate that is not just because of the teleportation, but Jason's never been one to really play with his food. And if he's really that close, he kills him and we're – done three minutes into the film. I said the same so, thing. That's so um, maybe just keep him off in the distance there, but like he's stalking. So then it makes sense if he turns back around and he's gone because he's still stalking him. If he gets that close, he's going to kill him. That's what Jason does. Um, but I, I love him tripping over and finding the sign. I, I agree with what you said. It's kind of preposterous how quickly he did it. That's the first time the word preposterous has been used on this show. That was weird. I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> it was kind of crazy how it happened and everything. But I love the realization. Like, that's come on. That's how we would be if we're uh, out hiking and we trip over something. And like, Holy shit, this is the real Camp Crystal Lake. Guys, I got a surprise for you. 
you know, that's how we would be. But you're right, Brian, uh, Mike. This guy definitely looks like he shits pure granola. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> like he is your, yeah, th- this guy, this guy hangs out in the uh, hiking section of Dick Sporting Goods and, hey, you know, brother, he's I, nothing but cliff bars. Hey, brother, the last six, seven months I've been to Asheville quite a few times. This man would fit in very well. Yes. <laughs> That's North Carolina, by the yes. way, for you people that, outside of the States. Amen. So, but anyway, um, great set of scenes here. Um, I'm all the way in. I w- I'd heard the high praise. I knew that it was a well-received movie entry into the franchise, unofficial entry in the franchise. But I'm a skeptic. You guys know how harsh I am on rating movies sometimes. Um, this one really did a great job of hook, line, and sinker. I'm in. That's a fishing reference, Nico. That's for you, Bow. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's for you. I uh, I really like the intro, uh, the first couple scenes or scene, however you want to break it down, and I'm all in. Nice, I like that hook, line, sinker. <laughs> all right, Kyle. Kyle finds a cabin and looks for more and more. He finds another cabin and walks inside. And I wrote, it's a dump. He looks around and finds a chest. He opens and he finds a, a Playboy that he keeps as he looks around more. He finds some showers with blood all inside them. He now he now hears a loud thud. He picks up his magazine and heads deeper into the cabin. He finds another room, what looks like a, like a big game room for the campers. He finds the iconic Camp Crystal Lake sign on the wall. He pokes uh, he pokes up the fireplace and finds like a coyote head, which he takes outside and tosses. He sees a tag hanging. He stares and then walks away. He goes back inside and starts up the fireplace. He tells the camera of the stories his brother told him. He now tells of the story of Jason Voorhees and his mother killing almost everyone. Jason was still in the lake and came back to seek revenge. He thinks that's how the story goes and it scared the shit out of him. He said it sucks no one gets to experience this place because of a ghost story. He goes outside and does some more vlogging. He says he might be the first to check this place out in over 30 years. He goes in another cabin and sees another ribbon that marks the crime scenes. He finds a super gross, dirty bed and moves to another room. He bangs into some pots and pans, says this is where Pamela served all the kids. We hear thudding noises, and he heads up the stairs with his knife ready. He gets to the top and finds a door clunking over and over. It's a door to nowhere. Then he explains that it was a door they used they used to use to move heavy stuff to the second floor. That was fun, he says, and goes exploring some more. He gets into a room and says, I think someone's living here. He finds a card of a birthday prayer. We see someone approach him. He covers his nose when he smells something bad. He finds Pamela's head. He backs into like this hung sheet and is grabbed. Kyle jumps out the second story door. Jason grabs an axe and almost hits him like in his crotch area. Kyle fights Jason now to not much success. Jason tosses the axe at Kyle and misses, and Kyle takes off running. Jason goes back inside and gets his machete. Jason chases after Kyle now. Jason is power walking his ass off. Kyle trips over the no trespassing sign and realizes he's really hurt his leg. Kyle begins to crawl when he hears Jason approach. He hides behind a a tree, knife in hand. Jason sees his headband and grabs Kyle by the ankle. Kyle manages to escape before Jason can hit him with his machete. All right, Brian, go ahead. All right, so I have the most on this little set of scenes, so bear with me. But right off the bat, let me just say, while I had a bigger appreciation for this after the interview, watching Dead Meat's kill count on this really gave me an even bigger appreciation for this movie. 
you know, so not that they need any more love because believe it or not, the kill count video for this has 7 million more views than the actual movie. Insane. Uh, <laughs> Which is, by the way, if you're listening and that, and you're part of that, that's not what dead me James wants. So go watch the actual film. Yes. Go <laughs> 7 million more views. But you know, unless you're an absolute study of part one, like this is worth that. That's worth the view, the dead meat one, because I have an appreciation for it. But my love for part one has only grown as I've gotten older. So the references in this fan film that that, that they pull, like the first one with the forensic police tags, I think it's beautifully shown, interwoven with the actual kills, you know, from the first Friday um, in the movie. So it's definitely worth a view there. I mean, you can you can add that to the astronomical amount of views, but but uh, seriously, it's worth it. Um, you know, I almost wish they would have done like those same like flashbacks and had it like interwoven with with uh, footage from the actual movie uh, in this. But uh, but maybe it was a copyright thing. I don't know. But plus, Dead Meat James cracked my ass up when he with the Billy Madison nudie magazine day <laughs> reference when uh, when Kyle finds a Playboy here. And can I just say to like the set design, absolutely beautiful. Uh, Vincent talks pretty in depth about that. Um, you know, with as long as well as like the liberties that he, uh, that he had to take. So, uh, in our interview, so including his mask, which honestly I'm fine with, um, you know, which by the way, a little deep dive that playboys from July, 1980 with centerfold Terry Peterson printed the same year as the original film. So just a little tidbit there. Um, you know, Mike brought it up earlier. Actor. uh, What month did you say? I'm sorry. It was, it just said printed the same year as the original. Okay. That's I don't know if you knew what month it came out because the calendars was on July, I think. So anyway. Interesting. Brian, um, before you keep going, how did you not say it? that was a beautiful tidbit? <laughs> because I'm not a savage because I'm, because that's preposterous. <laughs> for, for research purposes, Brian, would you repeat the name, please? <laughs> All right. So anyway, actor Drew Lady, I think, did a good job, I think, with telling uh, the Jason story, uh, making it seem real, like he was, you know, actually talking to an audience on YouTube. Um, I kind of brought it up a little bit earlier, but I thought it was brilliant writing because like any acting issues that you may have with him, because he's maybe not a seasoned as an actor as you maybe have liked. Um, you can just explain it away saying, oh, well, he was playing it up for, you know, his YouTube audience. Um, so, but I do, I wonder if I would have liked it more to have him actually going out to like explore the camp on purpose, you know, because like, because of the murders and like had him be like a ghost hunter type YouTuber or something instead. I don't know. would, Would be a better explanation for him, you know, remembering all this stuff and the details from the, from the crimes and the story maybe. Um, then you could have had him be the one to tell you like what this crime scene thing was for and things like that. So, um, and that's kind of like, Hey, you got to be a pretty dired fan to know what each crime scene what, you know, was represented by in the first film. So, um, again, I thought it was great tension use of music, the, the build up throughout the house in the dark with, with a little light, um, that made it a little bit hard to see the blood stains, you know, that I wanted to show you from from Kevin Bacon's death in the first one. But as far as the Jason attack, it was pretty well done. I'm I'm not sure I liked him escaping that ankle lock being gone, uh, you know, and then like being gone. Like it's 
it's, you know, Kyle basically teleporting here, but I, and I'm not really sure how that really made sense to be honest, but that's all I have. Yeah. This is my favorite set of scenes in the film. I like uh, him coming up on the cabin. I think, I think this looks pretty true to, to the exact cabins from the very first one. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think obviously some, you know, some things had to be, you know, a little different, but I do think this looks like it could be right out of 1980 came Crystal Lake. And I think it's done really well. I like, I, I like the Kyle's kind of our, our filter to get to know, you know, the backstory of that place. And I think that if you never watched the Friday movie and you just happen to stumble upon this movie, you have a pretty good idea of, of what the backstory here is. And, and I think that they kind of, you know, is it, Super logical, you know. Brian kind of touched on this. Is it super logical that that this guy that goes hiking finds this camp and he knows all the stories? Uh, that's a maybe, um, but I don't mind it. It's not something that takes away from the film to me, and so it works. I like all the scenes in the main cabin. I like the Camp Crystal Lake flag being there. Uh, I, you know, still in perfectly good condition. I think it's really cool. Him kind of telling the story that no one will get to experience this place because some ghost stories. So right there, it's very horror movie trope, and I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, main character doesn't take it seriously. Like, um, I I kind of enjoy that little because I mean it's very classic, a uh, uh, very classic slasher, and I think it's really good. Um, I I love the fight or the first fight here between Kyle and Jason. I think it's. The music is perfect. I, I I kind of like the way they quick cut stuff. Like I think it's really good. Yeah. And I I I like you know you mentioned the you know the blood stains in the bed. I'm kind of jumping back for a second here, but you know that that I think is a really cool way to do fan service. You know we've had a lot of conversations about that on this show, uh, specifically with the Halloween franchise. Um, I think that is a really cool way to kind of give a tip of the cap to fans of the franchise that, oh, this is the bed that Kevin Bacon got killed in. Like, I, I think that's, you know, pretty cool way to do it. If you're going to do it, then I think that's a really cool way. And, um, and uh, again, I'm not a big fan of the ankle lock thing either, but, I mean, it, I still think it added really good suspense. Like, shit, where'd he go? Like, I, like, I kind of like it. I, um, I kind of like it and I kind of don't like it. But, yeah, that's, yeah, that's all I have. But this is definitely my favorite set of scenes. I, I think there's, so much here and i you know we're kind of past the this this hike this hiker guy going through the mountains and now we're into what i consider an actual friday the 13th movie and i think it's it picks up and it's really good yeah um i like the set of scenes as well i love that the uh playboy was a throwback to um 1980 and like i said i also like that um july the calendar was on july um, might have been June, but either way, June, July, 1980, whichever month it was, there was actually a Friday 13th. I like those June, little stuff. Yeah, I think, okay, yeah, I think it was June. Um, so I like that little nod there. Um, the shit that he's finding is just incredible to me, like the callbacks and the nods to the franchise's history. Just so well done um, with the shower, the, uh, the bed, uh, Pamela's head. Like all this stuff is just, I think it's very well done as well. Sometimes, like we said, you can try too hard to put little Easter eggs and it looks too in your face. I like how this one's done. Um, 
I don't know what he thinks he's doing with that little knife, but buddy, you ain't doing shit, pal. <laughs> you, if you're close enough to Jason to hurt him with that knife, you're probably already dead. I love how he just keeps going back to it, and that's his line of defense. Um, a nitpick that I have is I don't like that the axe handle's yellow because that axe is far too new for to be found right here and for it to be, um, you know, no one's been here in 30 years maybe, um, but Jason has time to go to his local Ace Hardware that's and get a, a new point. axe. Um, <laughs> good point. That's so, a good point. And I, I love how Dick almost got whacked with an axe, literally. He almost split that boy's urethra. Um, it's not there, bro, is it? And that's a callback to one of our episodes. The dick getting whacked. Um, but, you know, is I liked... Is your urethra narrow? God oh, <laughs> oh, dang it, Piggy. Um, I like when Jason grabbed Kyle by the ankle, um, like the actual grabbing of his ankle, because that was very suspenseful. And that was a good jump scare because I jumped. It's like, oh, shit, OK, he's getting away. He's crawling away. And then, bam, hands got him. And, uh, you know, and also I want to give props to Jason himself, like the, the makeup that was done. I think this Jason looks great. Uh, I like his I like his movement. Other than the teleportation, like I'm talking about his actual when he's walking and his mannerisms, I think is yeah. great. And so kudos uh, to to that whole um, that whole uh, visual and optics. And yeah, I mean this is a great set of scenes. I'm not going to beat it to death, like you guys have already touched on everything else that I had. So just really good set of scenes. All right, it's nighttime now, and Kyle is hurting. He grabs his camera and gives the, you know, traditional, if you find this camera, who I am kind of message. He says, Jason is real and he has a severe laceration. He needs to tend to and he needs to get back to the camp to get his supplies. Kyle runs back towards the cabin to get his backpack. He finds another ribbon. He gets back inside the room and gets his medical supplies. He hears Jason's footsteps and hides under a desk. Kyle hides under a table and tends to his leg laceration by sewing it up and wrapping it. He puts his guidebook in his pocket and takes off the leave. He hears a loud crash and he sees Jason and Jason looks towards him. Kyle backs away and Jason breaks into the room with him loud ass footsteps. He begins to knock over everything. Jason finds Kyle and stabs at him and misses. Kyle charges him and Jason body slams him. He now choke slams Kyle through a desk Undertaker style. He grabs his machete but Kyle has taken off running. Jason and Kyle duel now. Shovel versus machete. Jason misses some machete swipes, and he knocks Kyle into a tree. Kyle knocks the mask off, and we see his hideous face. Jason puts the mask back on, and Kyle takes off running. Kyle finds the axe from earlier and grabs it. Kyle now wraps some gauze around his arm cut. He puts his jacket back on, and we see Jason appear behind him, stabbing him with, his, with the machete in like his lower rib area. We now see Jason bleeding through his hockey mask. Kyle hit him in the neck with the axe. They both fall to the ground. Kyle's guidebook blocks some of the machete stab. He sees his rib wound and now grabs his backpack and hobbles away. He stops and sees Jason remove the axe from his neck. Fuck this, he says, and takes off running. Jason sits back up. Kyle runs away. Next morning, Kyle finds water and washes his face. Uh, he hears a log break in the woods and finds another ribbon. We now see Jason jump from the lake, and he grabs Kyle's head and crushes it, but it was just a dream. Kyle's in the back of an ambulance. The paramedics com comfort him, and like Friday the 13th tradition, guys named Axel are being perverts. Then he checks him, 
checks on him, and we he sees Jason in the ambulance and begins to panic, and Axel is being useless. We now get flashing red lights, and uh, this is a nitpick of mine, but I hated the, sound, the bit of sound that goes along with it. Uh, we see Kyle outside now in his stretcher, about to be stabbed by Jason, but it's actually the EMT giving him like an IV. Kyle says he's still out there. Back doors fly open, and bam, it's Tommy Jarvis. The EMTs tell Tommy everything is okay. Axel tells him he needs a few minutes to clean up Kyle's wound. He says make it quick. Tommy looks into the woods and gets in the front seat. Denny says she thinks someone else might be in the forest. She's never seen anyone that scared before. Tommy radios into dispatch, and Tommy now sees Jason approach him. Axel jumps out the back to help Tommy. Axel limps back to the back of the ambulance with blood coming out of his mouth from an axe attack. Jason pulls Denny out, killing her off screen. Jason stares at Kyle in his stretcher. He pulls the axe out of Axel, and Tommy yells, Hey, maggot head, remember me, you asshole? Hang on, kid, and he speeds away in the ambulance. Aerial shot of Jason, like, following after them, and title card and end credits. All right, Brian, what would you think of the ending? Uh, so this is actually my least favorite part of the movie. Um, and I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, like at the beginning here, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more emotion from Kyle where he had his little goodbye video recording, his, his Blair Witch-style video recording. Um, great effects though, as they sewed it, that, that wound back up, definitely big props to a uh, special effects artist, Kelsey Burke, um, that coupled with the music well, was fantastic. Um, a few mistakes though, if you'll notice there was parts that they definitely filmed during the day, as you can see the sunlight coming through the windows in some sections, um, you know, and just like the light from the, uh, the lamp outside during others. I mean, then. Uh, it appears that way anyway. Um, when the when the lamp lights coming through, um, I love the way that that looks uh, with the camera shots, and um, I love the way the fight was shot. Um, no, y'all noticed the uh, the choke slam. Loved it. Uh, you know, and like I said though, the ending to this whole thing. You know, Vincent talked about having to rewrite it since he was able to get Tom Matthews, and you know, you got Tom Matthews, you you use Tom Matthews, but the original ending was was you know, everybody is, is killed and the camera kind of fades up as, as blown as blood is like shown flying out of the ambulance. Um, and I would have, I, I would definitely have liked to have seen that. Um, obviously this is all, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking because who would have known they'd have made a prequel to this and been able to put Tom Matthews back in it. If they'd have done that first, you'd have been able to do your original ending and didn't have to have, you know, have Tommy, you know, kind of save the day, but the whole thing, I don't know. It just kind of didn't come across as serious to me. It's almost like the whole rest of the movie was, was one way. And then they tried to almost like part six it, um, for the ending here and just kind of make it like a little bit, not cheesy, but like also not taking itself as serious as the rest of the movie did. Um, but it, to me though, I really, I liked that, um, that dream sequence where like it shows the, the hidden get cog in this face smashed in some, some super nice tie-ins too. obviously you brought it up with, with Axel and, and Denny, both of them being named for, for Friday the 13th part four references. But to me, like I said, it was just a little bit cheesy. Um, I think I might've ended the movie with that face smash and, uh, that kind of been it. But, um, as far as like uh, going back to Axel and Denny, that they're, the actors just to me weren't up to par as much as 
you know, the actors that played uh, Kyle. Um, you know, I, I definitely appreciated Tommy too being in it. I just kind of feel like he was maybe shoehorned in, um, you know, in there when he really like, you know, when, like I said, they didn't have a plan for another one. So I don't know, just my opinion. Uh, yeah, I look, I go back and forth on this ending or, you know, this whole set of scenes. I, I like that Kyle gets away. I think he's, <laughs> I know he does the, you know, the, as you so eloquently put it, the Blair Witch camera scene, the goodbye. Um, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp with you where I, I think there could have been a little more emotion out of the acting there. Uh, but that's really his only big acting, you know, flub. So I'm willing to forgive it. I, I think that scene could have been a little bit more intense. Um, look, I'm, I like the fight. I really do. I, I, I think it's intense and it's shot well and the music is good. But one shot that I don't like, and I, I know a lot of other people probably like it, but I don't like the stab and axe, like double fall where it's like, two wrestlers that big boot each other <laughs> and they both fall. But, but you get the cuts back and forth of them falling. Like I'm just, I'm not a big fan of that shot. And I, you know, that's just preference. Uh, it, you know, I've never been behind a camera. How am I supposed to know? But just for me personally, as a viewer, I don't think it, I don't think it played well. And uh, that's, you know, kind of where I, I am with that. I do think it was clever. Another wrestling reference to have something to stop the stab. Like, Bret Hart had a metal plate to stop Goldberg's spear. Like, I, I think that's kind of like, I think that's, you know, kind of a clever way to, to get out of him being stabbed all the way through and being, you know, killed right on the spot. I think that was clever. Um, you're right. The everything in the back of the ambulance, it's a little much for me. Um, I think the acting of the two ambulance people weren't very good or, you know, the two EMTs. Uh, and so that kind of brought the scene down a little bit. I think that the hallucinations or the, you know, him seeing Jason in the ambulance and the red lights flashing and all that stuff, that was a little over the top for me. For a movie that just really did a great job of kind of taking itself very, very serious, we were getting very different vibes in this scene to me. Uh, and so I wasn't a big fan of that. I did like Tom Matthews being in this film. I, you know, I, I've listened to you guys interview and then, I'm all on board with, hey, if you get Tom Matthews, you, you got to put him in. I mean, you that's, use Tommy Jarvis, yeah, that, absolutely. That's the ultimate fan service right there, man. And so I I completely am with that, especially w w with what we get in Never Hike in the Snow. So I don't love the ending. I do like the closing shot, though, how it fades up and it stays walking. I think that's a really, really cool visual. So uh, a little bit of a mixed bag here in the last set of scenes. So with the ending – so I really like the final confrontation. Um, I'm on the other side of the fence as you, Mike, on that. I like when, you know, he's been, Kyle's been stabbed. And that's what we think the only trauma is. But then it pans back to Jason. And I like the purple, like Ivan Ooze type shit that's dripping out of the nose holes on his face mask. I thought that looked great. And then the camera pans out and you see that, Okay, he did connect with the axe. I actually liked that. I thought that was cool. Um, and then it was a very classic Jason Voorhees moment for there to be a flashback by the water and Jason jumps out of the water. I mean, that's an obvious nod to, you know, the first one um, and others. But uh, I really like that.
But the effects yep. of that kill, the fake Absolutely. kill, were better oh, than the yeah. kills we got. That's a nitpick for right. me because that man, that was awesome. He squeezed his head until his mouth was gushing blood, and it, you heard the pops. Like that was awesome. Um, yeah, I'm like a fruit gusher, man. It was awesome. Yeah. And then the nitpick that I have a question that I have, like, how the hell did this ambulance find him? Where did where'd this ambulance come from? Like, an ambulance is just going to show up to help a injured person, but the cops aren't going to come with it to maybe see how this person got injured? Or, I don't, what happened there? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. Um, but, God. No, they didn't explain it. Huge pop, wrestling term. Sorry, we've been heavy on those this week. But huge pop when uh, Tommy Jarvis appears on the screen. Loved it. Absolutely. And I love the whole, uh, hey, maggot head, you know, Jason part six, Tommy Jarvis, motherfucker had mar- mar- maggots coming out of his head. So I like that line. Um, you know, like I said, I hate that the two actual deaths we got were off screen. And the one that we got, that was, the one that we got, and then the axe to the neck and the, the machete stab which either one of those could have resulted in deaths. All three of those are better than the actual deaths we got. So that's a little bit of a uh, thing that, you know, that's a little misstep in my opinion. But um, I I see what you guys are saying about how the end feels like a misfire because they've been taking themselves so seriously up until this point. But at the same time, the ending is actually very consistent with the franchise as far as, you know, the the hokiness and the cheesiness of how it unfolds. So while I really enjoyed it up until the ending because of what it was, I can also appreciate how consistent it felt and authentic it felt to the franchise. So it's fine in my opinion. It it didn't take anything away from the uh, other 50 minutes that I'd seen, and I I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Did you guys notice in the ambulance that uh, Axel and and the other girl had, had their first names on their uniforms like normal, but Tommy had... Tommy, Tommy Jarvis, Jarvis on his, you know, he was, so, Vincent so was like, motherfuckers, know. y'all are going to understand yeah. that this is Tommy Jarvis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any fun facts. Do y'all have any? No, I think no, we said, said them all throughout yeah. the show. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into our rating real quick. Who wants to go first? I can. I don't mind. Like I told you guys, I really enjoyed this. I wish I'd watched it sooner because this is a, a movie, a movie, a short film that I'm going to rewatch again a lot just because it's such a quick and easy watch. um, And it's fun. Really, really well done. Impressed the hell out of me, especially considering the budget or lack thereof that they had. If this were an official installment, it would be very high on my rankings. If it were a full length film, it would be very high on my rank, even higher. But overall, I, I gave this one an eight and a half. Uh, Yeah. So really quick. Enjoyed it a lot. I think it's a really, really good installment in the Friday franchise, whether it's official or not. I think it's quick. It, it's a lot of fun. It, it's ex- it checks all the boxes I want from a Friday the 13th movie. I mean, it really does. And it adds a modern take uh, with the you know first-person view, speaking to a YouTube audience. I like all that. I think it's really good. Shots are good. You know, The gore that we do get is pretty good. And so, again, there's a lot. There's just so much to like here. With the budget they had and the direction, I think it's awesome. So I I I, I gave it an eight. All right, uh, I just wrote a little summary. Uh, I think the film is exceptional with a budget of less than nineteen thousand uh, dollars. That just makes it more impressive to me. Um, I think Vinny is brilliant, as my name in Zencaster is Vinny Desanti Stan. 
Uh, I think he deserves a chance at taking on a Friday the 13th film one day right. whenever whenever they finally get these rights issued figured out. Uh, not only did he write and direct well, I think he portrayed Jason well, and I thought the film was shot and acted well. I mean, you know, besides the EMTs maybe. Uh, seeing Tommy return was awesome. Uh, I agree with you, Mike. I think you said it. I didn't love the double dream sequence at the end personally. Yeah. Uh, and a few other nitpicks I had was like uh, – when Jason pulled the axe out of the dirt, you get that classic knife sword unsheathing. It's like a, a, <laughs> yeah, an axe that. isn't going to make that noise coming out of dirt. <laughs> and uh, some of the score I didn't really like at certain times. Uh, but I wrote a great fan film and film in general. I gave it 8 out of 10 as well. So I'm going to be a little bit weirder with this because I guess, I don't know. Am I the only one that's seen the ghost cut out of E3? I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I haven't watched it yet. So I, I want to rate this one by itself. Never hike in the snow by itself, and I want to give the ghost cut one too because honestly, like I said, I would slot the ghost cut pretty pretty high up. Um, I gave Friday and and maybe you know maybe they're a little high. I don't know because we did them so early, but I gave Friday the Thirteenth Part Four and Eight, and I gave Friday the Thirteenth Part Six and Eight as well. Um, I'm gonna give this first cut of this Never Hike alone um, a seven point five. Okay, so. That puts us at this one for um, with an eight overall rating. Y'all ready to do part two of this little fan film duology? Part two, but it's really a part one. Yeah, hey, but, but I also I, I also like that this runtime is thirty minutes. All right, clap it up. <laughs> it's really only like twenty something minutes. It's I really know. Not even All that right, long. buddy. The key to Mike's heart is the shortest film imaginable. Well, <laughs> it's not. Well, well, hold on now. I love Titanic. Hey, Minute it's Man Mike's what I've heard him called. Hey, hey, fine with me. I don't care. But uh, my, Street said it's time, a race, not a marathon. That's right. That's also not true because I love Shawshank Redemption, which your ass has never seen. And Mike, I love me. Ti- I've seen it. I, lo- I love Titanic and it's long as hell. So let's keep going. <laughs> and you love screen movies and they're all like two hours. So, I mean, he, well, he likes a long three, movie. Screen, screen three is entirely too long, but yeah, anyway, great film. All right, let's do it. Never hike in the snow. Now, uh, the film starts with opening credits with drone footage again, uh, going through the snowy forest. We now see a man running through this forest. He's running quite frantically. Mark pulls out his key fob to help find his car. He hears the alarm, and we see Jason appear from behind a tree. He pulls a bow and arrow out as Mark runs away. Jason shoots Mark in the leg, dropping him instantly. Jason hovers Mark and drives an axe right into Mark's mouth before he can run to his Jeep. Jason snatches the hood the hood of his car up, disabling the alarm. He drags Mark's body across the snow, leaving bloody trails. Title card. Police are on the scene now. The deputy tells Sheriff Rick about who the car belonged to. Diana Hill and her son Mark never showed up to pick her up from work. He was only 17. Rick is going to head to Diana to tell her the news her son is missing. Sheriff tells him he'll handle the report in the morning. Sheriff tells Alan to put salt on the blood so no one finds this. Alan is puzzled by this since it's an active crime scene. We now see Tommy Jarvis and he checks out what's going on. Alan sends his uh, his hun, his wife, a message. It's going to be a long night. Alan turns around to see someone carving into the hood of his car and a jeep drives off. Jason is scratched into the hood. Sheriff Rick arrives at Diana's house and has her sit down. He tells her they found the car, but her son is still missing. She begins to cry, and he tries to comfort her. He asks her questions now about Mark. She replays the story from the morning. She asks what he's up to today. 
He tells her he Googled things to do around here. He's going to explore the woods around here. He tells her not to worry, but I wrote, mamas will always worry. He asked her now if anyone was with him. She says she hasn't had a chance to, or he hasn't had a chance to meet anyone yet. He only had his camera. Mark's father left before he was born, so it's always just been them two. He checked, the sheriff checks his room out now to find any clues. She says she thought they were finally safe away from the city. Rick finds some maps and, uh, you know, uh, things that he didn't, and he lies that he didn't find anything. He gets a call from Alan about what happened to his car. Rick storms out and tells Diana they'll contact her in tomorrow and will do everything they can to find him. Diana goes in Mark's room and looks through his computer, and she begins to cry when she sees uh, his background picture of him and her. All right, Brian, what do you think of the first two scenes? Um, I love I love this entry, and and you know I've always wanted to to see a Friday the Thirteenth film in the snow, you know, especially after never getting that O nine winter sequel that we always wanted, and we talked pretty in depth about that in the uh, Friday O nine review, I believe. You can hear that on uh, don'tgooutthere.com. But, um, you know, another beautiful opening credits drone shot, you know, the snow falling on our guy Mark there, I thought looked tremendous. Um, you know, I love this opening kill too. the, the slow motion, the arrow homage that, that incredible shot of him, you know, on the snow and then boom, ax in the face, um, props to the makeup department as well for that one. Nora Hewitt did the makeup on this. Um, she's also helping out with uh, 13 fanboy, I believe as well. Um, she's a protege of, of Tom Savini, which, which Vincent talked in depth about, you know, in the interview as well. Um, and I also love that little last second touch with the car horn going off too. And, and Jason destroying it that like really hammers home what Vincent said that Jason's motivation is to him now, which is just to do everything he can to stay hidden. You know, he was a, he was a boy that was tormented and that's all he ever wanted to do was, you know, stay, you know, stay away from people and, and, and stay hidden and they'll do anything to, to kind of keep that secret. Very cool having Vincent Gustav Fario reprising his role from uh, Part 6 and Deputy Cologne, um, now Sheriff Cologne. And, uh, of course, Tom Matthews coming back as well as Tommy, which I think he's tremendous in, the, in this one. Um, you know, and Vincent explains some of his kind of motivations uh, for, uh, for Cologne covering up things in the town, um, as well as, you know, as well as, like, in the uh, ghost cut, there's an added scene of him at the end of this to kind of merge the two together that gives you a little bit of a police report with him. Lastly, you know, I think, I think Anna Campbell did a tremendous job as Diana Hill. Uh, she's been in like criminal minds. And I think she really came across to me as like the acting heavyweight in this one. Um, I liked the, the uh, also the little homage to Kyle from never hike alone. That was on Mark's computer. He had a, a trail junkies pulled up on his YouTube there. And, uh, and man, that, that transition, from his face to that picture on the computer to the, the, the frozen dead body. That was tremendous. Yeah. Again, great opening shot. Uh, great aerial views. I am in the same boat as you, Brian. I've always wanted to see any of our slasher, you know, icons have a movie in the snow, but more so Jason. And so I think finally getting to see it, like we talked about in the Friday 09, where that would have been a great, see that as well this is you know as close as we've gotten so far and i think it's great um i love that this movie starts out with a bang you get a really good chase and you get 
probably the cool look spoiler alert probably the coolest kill in these two films like i think it's great yeah i think the effects look awesome uh axe axe to the face is it's to just, the face is really awesome <laughs> i i think it's a cool kill um you, you, look here we go with some fan service and i'm okay with the sheriff here you bang you know my guy you bang and uh Look, that's fine. Uh, it's a nice nod, and you, look, him being kind of a corrupt sheriff, though. I'm not that, you know that, or, or or at least a sheriff that turns a blind eye. That tries to play the hero a little too hard. Um, I don't know about that character direction, but I but it's needed for the film, so I understand. Um, look, you're right. The actress who plays Diana is awesome. Uh, I think her character work is is. So freaking great. The minute the sheriff says the son is missing, you can just see she becomes an emotional wreck right away. I really, really like that. And, you know, I like her and the sheriff's interaction, um, you know, because we as an audience know that he's full of shit, but she doesn't and she trusts him. And I kind of like that dynamic I always do in movies. And, uh, you know, and the scene where his, you know, her and him come up on the computer together, I, I, I think it's very touching. You know, you fit a lot into this short runtime where I'm already invested and I care about these characters, and I think that's really hard to do in such a short amount of time. But I think they do that here. And you're right, that transition from, you know, the perfect mom-son combo to, to his face being dismembered is is a really cool shot. So I agree with that 100%. Yeah, um, I think this is an amazing opening scene. I love that we get action right away. I love how the camera pans out and we see him hauling ass. Uh, Debbie James pointed that out, and I, I thought that was a great point, how um, the, we get the wide shot to see Mark hauling ass through the snow. Um, the blood looks great with the snow as a backdrop. Phenomenal. I love that Jason has picked up archery. Um, you know, they do have uh, archery targets at the, uh, at the camp there, and so I like that he's been practicing. That was good. Um, all this is great. Love all this. Then we get to the house and you know, the, the flashback to when he left, I think that that was some good acting there. I love the mother son dynamic. You could tell that you can pick up right away that they're really all each other has. Um, he's wanting to get out and explore and she's an over, overprotective mother, but she's relying on him to pick her up from the hospital. I like that dynamic they have there. And, I love that we get Tommy early and often. Uh, you know, the last one we had to wait 45 minutes before we saw him. Um, and this one we get him early. I love that. And, yeah, the mom's upset mother acting was phenomenal. Like, the, just the emotion that she was able to con uh, convey Absolutely. was top notch. Um, Sheriff lying to her, though, and saying I didn't find anything. Like, what? what's the point? Well, I don't. There's your fucking sheriff. You, her son's missing, you piece of shit. But anyway, um, all in all, like he, talk, he talks about his his thought process, I think, behind that, which, again, you know, it works for the story, like Mike said, but his thought process was was basically that he is hiding everything that he can that has to do anything to do with Jason because he feels like that it's going to do nothing but hurt the, the, uh, you know, Camp Crystal Lake and, and the town. So th that's what he's right. doing is any, he basically knows about it, 
but doesn't want to admit it and, and does nothing but cover it up. That was his motivation. Supposedly. Right. But then the flip side of that is um, he should have already known that that's where it was because he knows that they found the car. I agree. And what are you planning on never telling the mom where you found the car? Because she's going to want to know where did you find my damn car? So it just, I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit forced. Didn't feel believable in that regard, but can't take away from it because it's still solid and suspend, suspend your disbelief to, uh, to appreciate it for what it is. All right. Here's uh, the second half of the short film. Uh, we see Mark's corpse now in the cabin. Jason drops his backpack and camera on the ground. Flashback to Mark taking pictures of the cabins and scenery. Mark zooms in on his picture and he sees like an um, outline of a hockey mask. We see where Jason charges out at Mark. Jason crushes the camera and we see his mother's head and shrine. His mother appears now and calls for him. Come with me with extended arms. Uh, he bows before his mom as she removes his mask. <laughs> and I just wrote, ugly ass dude. She calls him <laughs> handsome though and says she missed him and hugs him. We see another no trespassing sign and Tommy Jarvis is about to enter. But Alan and Rick show up. Tommy runs, but is tackled by Alan. He goes to grab a shotgun, but Rick puts the sights on him. Tommy says Jason is still out out here. Rick grabs a shotgun and tells Alan it's local horseshit. Alan asks about Jason, and he says it's not the time. He orders him home to spend time with his uh, wife and kid. But, you know, he keeps asking, so he says, Now, if you want something to do, take this shotgun and lock, the, lock it up in evidence and have the Jeep towed. Tommy tells Rick Jason's back. And he drops the you bang line on Tommy. Alan takes the shotgun and explores some. He gets to a cabin and looks through it. Alan finds several hockey masks on the ground. He wanders deeper into the cabin and back outside and his phone rings. It's his wife. He leaves her a message and he'll be home soon. He sees a cabin with like light coming out of it. He goes over to the cabin and enters. He gets to the room with Jason and he sees Jason on his knees and sees Kyle's corpse. He tells Jason to put his hands above his head and calls dispatch. Uh, the lights, you know, go out and Jason is gone. The lights are back now and he walks forward and Jason grabs the gun and shoots Alan in the head, blowing it off of his shoulders. Then Jason stomps the body cam in the end credits roll. Uh, Brian, what do you think about the second half and the ending? Oh, I loved it. Uh, you know, right off the bat, just another tremendous job of set design here as well. I almost wish that this would have not been the same camp that they find uh, in the other one with Kyle. You know, I almost wish that this would have been like Camp Forest Green. But but that's just me being selfish and wanting to see more amazing references and set design. But I, I get the budget. Uh, I did appreciate, though, that, you know, they explored other parts of the camp, you know, that we didn't really get to see um, in Never Hike Alone. I uh, I do wonder, though what the motivation was to use a younger Pamela for the hallucinations than we've ever seen before. It was, it was very, it was, that's just a very odd choice to me. Um, love the cat and mouse, you know, back and forth with though, with Rick and Tommy, even the, even the laser sight red dot reference, you know, back to six, it kind of seems like that those two like fell right back into their roles from 35 years ago. And I thought it was great. Um, Love the uh, love the body cam footage, and again, using that technique of you know swapping back and forth between that and the single cam. Um, I loved him finding also what appears to be the old masks. Um, you get to see up close. I think the one for you know Roy's mask from Part Five. 
Um, but again, that body cam footage, you know, of him finding Jason, I thought was amazing. And that kill, holy shit. <laughs> I thought that was, a, that was great. Am I, is that the first time that Jason's used to basically use a shotgun to, to shoot somebody? I know he's beaten people with, with guns, but I don't know of him actually. Yeah, to my knowledge, shotgun. you're right. I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, again, watch the ghost cut, you know, right here, they, they show, um, basically like a news footage, uh, where the sheriff, um, comes on and kind of explains what they found as far as the deputy goes, basically that, that Jason had, had put, taken all the evidence and, and everything's in the lake and they, they are ruling it a suicide that he accidentally fell in the lake. Um, you know, also you get a new opening, like I said, with, with the Tom Matthews voiceover, but you get two, two new kills that are just completely out of the blue, um, with the credits rolling. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, you also get some more Kyle McLeod stuff as kind of that, as that new story is going. So how it like, it it seamlessly, uh, blends over into never hike in the stove. So, uh, or never hike alone. So, um, anyway, I love this entry. Yeah, um, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Like, I don't, I definitely don't dislike it. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm invested in this character, Mark, and he's already dead. And that, so the sheriff dynamic is a little strange for me, uh, especially with the deputy. He's kind of playing the bad cop. Like, I, you know, we kind of talked about in the last set of scenes where he's trying to, I understand his motivation is to try to, like, not let this legend thing, you know, haunt the town. He doesn't want to, re- you know, understand what he's going for there. For me, it's just kind of a weird dynamic with him and Tommy and the deputy. And, and there's just kind of a lot going on there. Um, I would have liked t- to see more of the Mark character than, than this, in my opinion, just as a preference. Um, yeah. But, you know, you're right about the young Pamela. While I'm gonna say, young Pamela, call me some time, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I look, it's a it's kind of weird. That's that's probably the least like as far as young Pamela's or flashback Pamela's that we've gotten. That's the one that looks the least like Betsy Palmer I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know that was kind of out, out there, but it's not a total mark against the film or anything it just that stood out for sure um i don't mind the i don't mind the ending it's a good kill and again a great closing shot and like you said you get the the narration from tommy jarvis kind of transitioning you know all that stuff like you mentioned like so i'm a fan i just this movie or this short film i would like to have seen a full another 50 minute short film. Like I really think never hike in the snow could have benefited from a little more time. And I know that's the first time you'll ever hear me say that this movie could have used a little longer of a runtime. I can't believe I'm saying it. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed all this too. I like the, the throwback. I like, um, the dynamic between Tar- Tommy and the cops. You know, we get that again, even though it's kind of one of those things like when will these cops learn? Tommy's right. Um, but I, I like that dynamic and throwback to, or we get the flashback to young Jason there. My God, that kid was ugly. Thank God for masks. Um, 
I like seeing all the masks. I like the you know the callbacks there, like you mentioned, we get to see Roy. I really wish that Roy could have been in this one. He's one of the greatest killers of all time. Um, I like. <laughs> I like. Uh, you know the the switching back and forth between the cameras, like we've mentioned before. But yeah, holy shit, Jason's using a gun, and not just using a gun. He blew that motherfucker's head smooth off. Holy shit, that was awesome. Um, really my only major flaw with it is that when the credits hit, I was like, you gotta be shitting me. It's over already. Like I agree. I wish it, I wish we had more. That's just me being selfish. I get it. Budgetary constraints and you don't want to, maybe they even had the budget to do more, but he knew that it was really good. And if he tried to add more to strength to uh, lengthen it, it might've ruined the product. So I'm not going to question creative direction. Just selfishly, I wish it was longer. But overall, yeah, great little hour and a half to spend watching some Jason Voorhees. All right, well, let's jump into the rating. Uh, I'll, I'll just go first this time. Uh, I wrote Vinny and Womp Stomp did it again, although not as good as the first one. Uh, I love seeing Tommy and Rick again. However, I wasn't a fan of Rick's character as the sheriff. Uh and I also didn't really care for the scene with Jason and his mom. Uh, that was a fan service and I didn't really care for. Uh, I think the kills were great. And the opening scene with Mark's kill was awesome. And the ending kill was awesome. Uh, but I gave us, I gave this one a 6.5. Like y'all said, it just needed more time to do more. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go next. Um, because my sentiments pretty much echo yours. I uh, really enjoyed it. It's visually great with the snow in the beginning and the acting was better than the acting uh, on the whole. The acting was better in this one than it was in never hike alone. It's just, I'm really disappointed in the runtime. So otherwise it would have been higher. I like this one too, just not as much as never hike alone. So I gave it a seven. Yeah, I'll go really quick. Um, I like this film. I think it, it could have benefited from a little bit of a longer story. Um, for sure. Uh, I think the acting is good. Uh, but I almost think having more characters hurts this one a little bit, um, if that makes sense. Because we got such a singularly focused movie in the last one. I think that was why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. But um, all in all, I still think it's really well made for what you know the budget they had. It's really well shot, uh, and that's not just you know because we have the director on our on our show. I just think it's a really visually really really solid film. Uh, so all that being said, I also gave it a six point five. Yeah, so I actually, it, it's hard for me to rate this one by itself just because it's so short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I will, I do like it a little bit more than, than uh, Hike Alone. Um, I give it a 7.75. Um, but as a, as a whole, I really do think both of these movies benefit from, from being put together. Um, mostly because of that, you know, short run time from Never Hike in the Snow. So I would actually give the, uh, the Ghost Cut an 8.5. Okay. Definitely have to check that out. So the uh, composite score we have for Never Hike in the Snow is a 6.9375. And I think this might be the only time in the history of this uh, podcast that <laughs> I have been higher than Nico and Mike on back-to-back episodes. I thought I was going to have a clean sweep back-to-back episodes, but Brian <laughs> outdid me on that one. Do we want to do our favorite kills real quick? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, the first one for Never Hike Alone, I chose uh, 
I agree with Dustin 100%. The head crush looked better than the rest of them, but it technically wasn't a kill. I chose Axel because you got to actually see it a little bit. You saw some blood. And Denny was my least favorite because it was all off screen. And Never Hiking the Snow, my favorite kill was Mark with the axe to the face in the snow. And my second favorite was Deputy Allen. I don't have a least favorite because that one looked cool too. And we make the rules we can do whatever we want to. Well, I'm glad you said that. Uh, I'm glad you said that, Nico, because my favorite kill is the head squeeze, even though it wasn't a kill. I don't care. If we're making the rules, then that's my favorite kill in that movie. Hey, fair enough. Fair um, enough. My, yeah, my, it, didn't, we, we, it yeah. just says favorite kill. It doesn't say it has yeah. to be a real kill. Right. It just says favorite kill. Right. Hey. My 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 least favorite is, is Denny outside the ambulance gets us off screen. You don't even get to see it. Uh, yeah. My my favorite kill in, in, in the snow is Mark, for sure. Love that axe <laughs> to the face. I think it's axe to the face. It sounded kind of, kind of like I said, ass to the face. <laughs> it did, did. Calm down, Rikishi. Uh, I, I did it for the rock. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah, I like that kill a lot, and I don't have a least favorite kill either. I I, I think the the you know shot to Allen is cool, man. It's a really cool visual, so I'm a big fan of it as well. Yeah, so I did my favorite kill and least favorite kill a little bit different. I just picked one from both movies, and you know, to favorite kill from both and least favorite because it's kind of self-explanatory uh, which one's the best, and two are off screen. So my favorite kill was Mark because of the axe to the face. Now, don't get me wrong. The shotgun blast to the head was awesome, but I think the effects of when you see the axe is in his mouth and he's on the ground, and then you get the blood on the snow, and then the camera pans out, and you see that his jaw is like detached because of the axe in his mouth. I thought all that was great. Um, even the, the fake tongue that they used, I, I just think that all that was fantastic. My least favorite was Demi because it was completely off screen. Yeah, I don't really have any. I did mine exactly like Dustin did, and I have those exact picks. Although it was very close between that and the head squeeze for my favorite of the of the two. Um, I, 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 and you know what? Even just talking about it right now and going back to it, it's real. Those things are neck and neck. I love both of those kills, and my least favorite was Denny as well. My only issue with that head squeeze kill is Jason jumps out of the lake and crushes his head, but. He's like right by the bank. There's no way it's deep enough right there for him to just spring <laughs> up like that. Hey, you ever seen alli- you ever seen an alligator alligator jump out of the water? I have. I'm from Florida. Yeah, but hey, it's, they're it's a, a flat. Yeah, they're yeah. It's not the same thing though. <laughs> Jason Jason isn't a, an alligator, but fair enough. It fair enough. Be. Uh, he's he's I probably really- ornery. He's probably also ornery because he's got all those teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> probably so probably so i agree with that uh i mean i've seen him i've seen him without his mask on he's pretty terrible looking yeah uh i had a great That's time reviewing these two movies really fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> uh just want to say happy friday the 13th to the fans again really enjoyed reviewing these two movies uh like brian mentioned earlier the kill count has more views than the actual movie that's kind of a shame uh yeah. go watch both never hike movies uh yeah. And listen to our interview. I mean, even if listen to Vinny talk. I don't care if you listen to other people's shows too. Uh, Vinny, he's a he's awesome. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed having him on our show. Uh, he's I think Tom honestly, Matthews. I think he, yeah, Tom Matthews Tom listened Matthews. to his interview, our interview with him as well. He was but, uh, Vinny DeSanti, I just was so impressed listening to him talk, and I honestly kind of got mesmerized because just listening to his thoughts and ideas. And I hope he does get a chance one day. He deserves it. We are so excited by the participation in this blood donor campaign. For those of you who don't know or maybe new, 
We have launched a new Patreon campaign called Blood Donors. We have five donor tiers that range from, you know, just $5 monthly donation to even one-time donations as well. And, and in exchange for keeping the lights on, we've added perks such as early content to bonus episodes, autographed pictures, t-shirts, and even joining us for an episode of your choice. Any donation goes straight to helping with web hosting, SoundCloud hosting, guest procurement. Again, you know, just thank you guys and girls so much. We have some of the best loyal listeners. We love each and every one of you. We can't believe every day that we get to do this. Just go to don'tgooutthere.com and click donate. And oh yes, there will be blood. But again, not real blood. This is money, you animals. Any final thoughts, fellas? Happy All Friday right. the 13th. Happy Friday the 13th. Binge you bang. Preposterous. Preposterous. <laughs> you bang. Just want to remind everybody. Don't go out there. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts